0: This is Cliff Central.
1: Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan, and Ramon is present. And Jonathan, once again, Another uh, banking scandal, and I mean, I wasn't a beneficiary. I'm
2: very surprised to find that I wasn't a beneficiary either of the VBS Bank.
1: I mean, we were quite terrible, you know, monopoly capitalists in that we keep <laughs> missing out on beneficiation of... Looted funds.
2: Unfortunately, and and it does seem like everyone else in the country was a beneficiary at the VBS Bank. Perhaps not our guest today. No, definitely not. Um, our guest today. Uh, definitely not. I guess he's, he's going to give us a strong denial, just, just straight up right.
0: <laughs> I must say that I've been wondering for a long time what the secret of others is. But, <laughs> you know, we, we're earning the same salaries, more or less. But these guys were just achieving incredible yeah, things. Yeah.
2: yeah. When, when you're driving to uh, to Parliament in a in a sedan and they're driving up in sports cars, then you... you uh,
0: I, I drive in my Toyota back. There we go. They drive in all the sports cars.
2: <laughs> the voice you are hearing, of course, is none other than uh, Mr. Masiwa Lakota, who is the obviously the leader of COPE, Um. And, uh, well, has a long, uh, history in this country, um,
1: which we're going to get into. So I think Ramon, uh, let's get cracking. Right. Absolutely. So Mr. Lukwata, let's go back to, to more, when you were a, a bit younger, um, more, a bit sprightly, black consciousness was the, the biggest, if one can say ideology or political idea in, in, in the late sixties, early seventies. You were an adherent. What is the difference between Black consciousness as an idea and the ANC ideology. Was there like a, a, a marked difference in those days?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let, let me immediately uh, say that I, I actually um, came, be, came into making sense of the country in the closing years of the 50s and the beginning of the 60s. So the black consciousness was nowhere in sight. It was all more or less that closing chapter of the legal African National Congress, the Pan-Africanist Congress, uh, the Liberal Party, yeah. the Progressive Party, party of uh, Helen, jo- Helen Sussman, and uh, yes, the non-European unity movement was uh, one of the formations so th- that is the that is the first picture of I, I formed of South Africa and of course since uh, it was uh, the time when the, the early 60s um, the formation of controversies where the 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 burning of the organization Shaville was a big subject of the time hmm. um, the big organizations among the students would have been the National Union of South African Students and the Afrikaner Student Bond. Uh, I went to high school in 64, the year in 65, the year President Mandela and others were sentenced. It was a very peculiar year in the youth of my day. It's one of those years that South Africa had a lot of snow. And uh, it's, uh, I remember that distinctly because uh, in one of the rarest years mm. when there was a lot of snow, I grew up in a northern free uh, state town of Kruelstadt. So there was uh, snow and we had all of this and the leaders uh, got sentenced. Mm. Uh, so somehow it it made itself unique. Uh, it was almost yeah. like God did.
2: Time to remember. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. That's like that. Now, the dominant uh, thinking at this time was really between the Pan Africanist Congress and the ANC. The non-racial students were largely, even even black students, were in the in the National Union of South African Students, NUSAS. Right. And uh, the Africana student bond was still, was the other anti nusas thing, but it was smaller because the Africana, African universities were not as big as uh, the English universities at the time. So we tended to hear more about, about nusas. Well, the, Af- the African National Congress Youth League at this time uh, was melting away it had the ncb having been bin, banned and all of that you, you couldn 't hear much about it yeah. anymore it was very very much of a secretive thing so when i went to when i got involved with the university with the high school students and university students uh, the debates were still about whether a non racial south africa or racial south africa in the black communities the youth league thinking confronted the pacs thought africa for the africans and and of course in the among the white people white students the other thing but at the same time political discussions in the black communities were very very secretive it was dangerous to be heard saying something about the anc mm. just to pronounce that name or the pac oh it was danger and the names you know you couldn't say those names just if if you said something about said mandela or said mm. sisulu or so hey what are you saying? Why did you hear that? Keep quiet. Because uh, that's how terrified our communities were about the special branch, the arrests, and they were really serious. If somebody was arrested for this, uh, we didn't know how long they were going to be gone for. Yeah, and the, the, the life sentences, people were sentenced to death. You may know, and I, I one of the... Strongest uh, thing I remember is how Harris Harris, who had put a bomb at uh, in '64 at Park Station to try and blow up uh, John Foster, mm. when uh, even uh, people would always say, "But even when a white a white person can be hung, watch politics don't play there." Yeah, yeah. The, the the national party were quite
1: ruthless. They would take out white, yes. black, Indian. It doesn't mm. matter. Anyone who's against them, they would take them out e- equally, for the lack of a better word.
0: Mm. But your question, your question, to go to the centre of your question was, mm. what was uh, the politics like at this time? It was a bit uncertain. A uh, lot of the people that were experienced did not want to talk. Because especially if you talk to younger people, they would be reckless. Because they. Had, we really didn't have the depth of our danger danger for the young children, young people. You know, you just forget yourself. You start saying some of the things. So it was very difficult to get guidance from all of these uh, senior people. Now, I went to boarding school. I didn't grow up. Uh, when I finished in '64. the following year, we were sent to the Transkai. There's a mission school of the Catholics there. And in order to save us from all the, the problems of the townships, some of us were almost like being sent to a <laughs> so that you cannot be part of the Nyaope staff and all the things mm. in the townships. So we went out there. But there actually boarding school was where there was a lot of politics because you met students uh, or pupils that came from johannesburg alexander township sharpville what not from the from cape town and all of that so there lot of influences and so on so in the atmosphere of high schools we discussed quite a bit and among the students you always found there were the dominant elements would have been students of, of the PAC thinking uh, and then of the ANC. Since the banning of those organizations, they had become illegal, but there were always some of the older ones that had already been part of it. Uh, so the PAC fellows were SUSA, African Students Union of South Africa as opposed to the African National Congress Youth League. And so even that contentious issue, whether the future was non-racial or not non-racial, that really was a big question yeah. that you always uh, discussed and so on. Being in Catholic schools, which were, were the large numbers of nuns, were, white nuns were teachers, and so on. It became very difficult to form the impression that white people are to be hated, because they were they very good human beings, the church ministers and so on. And in Catholic uh, institutions, by the way, large numbers of uh, monks and nuns were Germans, who, on reflection, I thought may have chosen the route they took because of what Germany had done uh, in the Second World War, particularly uh, to the Jewish people Mm. and just generally so many people that died in the concentration camps of Germany.
1: Mm-hmm. There were a large
0: number so uh, perhaps they felt that they had to sort of atone. I think so. Even though mm.
1: they weren't directly responsible. They were not directly responsible for, for this mark way. against their nationality. Mm.
2: You say something interesting there, which is, you know, you go off to these places, you you're around these people who happen to be white, um, who are good people. Um, and but at the same time you've come from a place where the people who happen to be white you know, especially if you're in political circles, yes. if you bump into those people, very often um, they're not good people or they, they're not good to you. Um, so how does that shape the way you view non-racialism? You know, b- being able to say, well, um, different individuals behave differently and it's not, it's not really anything to do with their race necessarily. Mm.
0: Look, I, I should have said, you know, I was born on the countryside of the free state. Mm. And, uh, not in Kronstadt, but in a, in a, a more rural town, Senegal, it's Central Eastern Free State. Yep. And on the countryside, the, the kids were more isolated. So they had only their black counterparts to play with and so on. And we tended to interact and play and so on. We were not so many, and so the 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 glare of urban centres that we are different and all of that was not so immediately obvious there. But when you came into into the towns like Runshaw, <clears throat> you found that you could see that every white person was sensitive that the others must not associate them with us. You know? Hmm. And so everybody tended to feel that they had a duty to display that they are white and they're not associated yeah. with
2: blacks. Don't, don't dis- and, so,
0: and so on and so on. Yeah. Now for for starters it only happened occasionally when you went into town. But Sometimes you went to town with your father and mother, or with your father, or any one of your elders. Now, if you came from the background where I came from, from the countryside, respect for adults was an extremely important and sensitive issue. But you know, sometimes you saw, and I often get very, very offended. If I went into town with my father, how some of the younger white guys, would just talk to him like he was a little boy, calling him "Hey, boy!" What and things, and I got very, very offended. But of course, I had to—I had also to be docile to my father when he said, "No, no, behave yourself." Hmm. And I always wished I could be there alone because I didn't understand the power of the state. And I always felt like this is a young chap—he cannot do, say, talk like this to my father hmm. or to my elder or something like that. So I was always like, i just lost my head about this. And it created a situation in which you began to feel that, but those guys out there, they're not good people. They're Sh- not good people. Sure. They're not kind people. And really, they have no manners. It's a very important thing. They have no manners. Because it gives you a sense that I'm a better human being. And the fourth commandment God gave at Mount Sinai is that you must respect your father and mother. So that the days, your days may multiply in the world. And that was very, very important. Not to be contested. Didn't matter whether you are white or white. And it was something that I always felt extremely, very, very strong about. So, but in time, we would go, some of our guys would go and would do garden work at, after school for, in the white places, white, white residents and so on. And at some point, I was uh, recruited by somebody to go and do garden work at his place. Now, if you know Kroenstead, you travel from the black communities lived north of the river and the white communities south of the river. So it was called Rand. Max Dupree, by the way, was one of the youngsters of Rand. That's
2: where all his guilt comes from. What? (laughs) That's where his guilt comes from.
0: (laughs) He's not there, but I must must tell you, he was a rebel right from the beginning. Yeah. He did throw some stones at us and we threw, we threw them back with even more velocity and he learned a few lessons. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh, so it was that kind of situation. So we, 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 we had a bit of that, but frankly, not the hostility that that the hostility, for instance, that you experience when you are looking at the when you are looking at the attitudes of the Pan Africanist Congress, because our, our parents generally were non-racial. Their attitude was that they often said in our mother tongue, "Don't don't worry about the white people; they are our children." You know what it communicated? That's it's, interesting. Uh, the phrase they use, are kibana so don't worry about them, because much, much later, I came to understand what it meant. Because between 1400s, when the first white people, the Portuguese, wrecked on the south on the coast of South Africa, in 1950, there never was law that white may not marry black. Or black, married, white, or Indian, or white, and so on.
2: Sure.
0: Now, you have to understand from 1400, 1600, 1800, 1600, 1700, 1800, 1900, up to 1950, there was lots of interaction, intermarriage. We lived, I mean, I grew up in Grossart, and there were so many of us, you know, families that were mixed, actually. And all of a sudden, we started being taken out of uh, Marabastad, which is the original township of Kroensad. And some of us were taken to the colored township called Brent Park. Some of us were taken to Seisoville. And we were being separated, and some of the families were just broken up some of the children who were lighter complexions were taken away and they disappeared either to the orphanages or given to some other families. And some were brought in which we didn't know where they had come from. You, you cannot appreciate this if you did not live at this time. Where you have a family that's got children living as a family some very light complexioned, and the state takes them out of the family, hmm. and then they are gone
1: yeah it's pure evil man.
0: some are taken out of the family and they are put somewhere else, and the whole family is just cut the father, the mother, they, this, and the other, because people had been living as mixed mixed marriages and mixed people. And we didn't have this thing that you are white and you are that and so on. Don Matera was born here in Sophia Town. His father was Italian. That's why you see his name is Matera, M-A-T-T-E-R-A. His father was an Italian man who left this country out of the bitterness of what? When his family was broken up like this. But there were many of these families. So then, you see, it became very strange. But some of the children still did grow up in the where we were in the townships were. And you couldn't understand why Dennis Bloom would be taken and put in Brand Park hmm. and there were other kids who were more coloured than himself <laughs> 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 living with us in the township. My my own uh, th- uh, one of my siblings was, was also in this category. So this this kind of thing, It when you are very young, it doesn't quite impact of you. It doesn't tell you what is the social engineering of taking people out, separating them, and make, compelling them to be this one. Orlando parents used to have soccer rights. Some of them were Indian, like Rashid Khan, and dancing shoes. Uh, who has a coloured chap who came hearts, who came from Cape Town, and these players, uh, they used to with the soccer teams were just mixed. Now suddenly they were all, all taken separated. apart yeah. to play different squads. So, so even
1: at a fairly young age, you were able to realise that the arbitrariness of race. Was just arbitrary It yeah, wasn't yeah, anything special about a certain race Or, or yeah, inferior about yeah. another one It was just mm. something genetic But it wasn't a, differenti- a differentiation that was made mm. Before the 1950s I mean, I, And that, I think, encapsulates a lot of your views About today's yes, um, yeah. political arguments Yes, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Matsipika so, Zaburi, you know former minister of communications yeah she used to be the minister she died now yeah in 2000 now now. she was one of of the older girls in our community her mother was as as white as most mothers uh, white women can be
1: as white as jonathan
0: and she (laughs) and her her everything you know her husband mr matzipe was himself mixed blood he was. He would have been more with a complexion almost like mine. Perhaps, perhaps a little uh, more mixed. But you could, the moment you looked at him, you could see this gentleman is mixed blood and so on. And he spoke an outstanding in English. Was a top class English teacher. He spoke Afrikaans as, as anybody else could. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine their children. Look at. Uh, Kasaburi, you looked at her brother, who was my peer, Uh, his elder brother, who was very much like you, and their father, the the, the family had to decide, what are we going to do with these kids, the other daughters, and so on. So the Dematsip, you see, he also spoke perfect suit, by the way. So I never could understand where did he grew up, but he grew up in these communities. He spoke every language that anybody could speak, and he was a highly regarded teacher. So he decided, uh, as, as, as Opa matsipe, the, the son, told me, much later, he said, uh, he, my father decided that we must choose what we want to be. Do you want to be colored? You can be colored. Do you want to be white? Okay. If you choose to be that, but I can't choose for you. You are South Africans. You are the children of you are our children, and here we are. So you must decide what you're gonna be. So you'll see that uh, people like uh, like uh, the lady that I was referring to, Matipeka uh, Saburu, who married, yep. she went to exile. It was a very highly politicized atmosphere. She was slightly older than us, so she went to exile, and she married somebody I think from. Madagascar, or something like that. When she was in exile, he met some, and the others uh, married uh, some colored fellows or white fellows in uh, in the Transvaal and so on. But Aupa and I, um, her brother, who was my peer, we just decided, no, we have a suit, you know. That's it, you know. And we we went this way. We still are like that, even now. He's now an acting judge in, the, in Cape Town for the moment. Now, let me go back then that as apartheid took hold, the situation stabilized, and people fell into the patterns. We used to be called those days we were called, the whites were called Europeans we were called non-Europeans. And non-Europeans was anybody who is not white. And Europeans was everybody that is white. Now, sometimes we, we met some of the guys we knew, the it And then, but now he's classified European. Look at it's <laughs> destiny. <laughs> When we, 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 we go to university, when we go to high school, because after my school at Matadiel, I went to St. Francis College, and Hill, just outside Durban. Now, the politics of uh, students at high school and university were much closer to each other in Durban. The University of Natal. Was divided into the University of Natal, hmm. white section, and the University of Natal, black section. The Indian uh, students at uh, the University in Salisbury on the island and, and the high schools and so on. But now we are, uh, there tended to be interaction quite a bit. Of course, KwaZulu, you know, Ngoye was, uh, uh, you see, a bit further and so on. Now during the Towards the end of the year or during the weekend, students who had gone to university from St. Francis College would often be invited by the by the by the nuns and the, the monks to come and talk to us about university education, preparing us in other words that you must know when you go to university it's not going to be like when you are a pupil. Every day you must be read for you. You are going to have to begin to learn to go to the library and try and read a bit more to understand a subject and all of that. So they'd come and talk to us about this. But one of the things they did was to talk to us about social issues. Now, that's why I met Steve Vigo because he had been a former student of St. Francis College. And at this time, There was a lot of argument uh, on the universities. The PAC students never joined NUSAS and they felt that it was selling out. But the non-racial students, Catholics, Anglicans had uh, non-racial student or high school people formations. And they tended to be inclined towards non racialism. And they would come and uh when they met with us, would talking inside the Catholic uh and Catholic society students, talking about human relations, you know. We are all human beings, we are all these. And issues such as, you know, the Second World War issues, um, The concentration camps, what happened there. And all of these things we talk about. And the the linkages between apartheid and the treatment the Jews received under German rule. We were carrying the passes like the Jews carried documents that distinguished them from the superior race. Now we were made to carry these passes. And like them who used to be stopped sometimes and asked for their documents, with us it was a daily thing. So now we began to see that, no, 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 there's something cooking. In the meantime, the National Party introduced the Separate Amenities Act, tightening the screws of discrimination. You couldn't go into the same restaurant. You couldn't drink from the same cups.
2: Public facilities.
0: Yeah, everything. The benches for wait, passengers waiting for the buses, they were marked Europeans, non-Europeans, and all of this. So really it became extremely regimented. And if you were found sitting on a European uh, chair, any white person could beat the hell out of you. Get you arrested! It was a very serious offence. Mm. Um, so there was no place for us. But, and so there was a lot of debate, especially in Nusa's, when the students went to the annual conference of Nusa's. The students say, "No, they decide they are going to hold the conference adverts now african students also came as delegates from their campuses they could not now they couldn't sleep at vets the conference is at vets but you have to find some school in uh, alexander township or somewhere so it is a bit too far and so on so and get mattresses and then they must go and sleep there at night and then they can come to the conference in the in the morning and the police and the spies are everywhere and some of the students got arrested you know because you must be out of the city at a certain time arrests also arose from that and, of course, being militant, you know, students would feel, no, man, we must defy this thing. Mm-hmm. We don't want to agree with these laws. We must defy them. The idea of the defiance campaign, by the way, had flowed across. And the shooting of the people at Chaville was about people saying, we will not take these passes. We've left them at home. You can arrest us. But afterwards, Chief Albert Dutuli had gone right up to the union buildings to burn his burn his uh, pass and all of the leaders and people burned their passes and everybody across and this told the government that we don't want the passes and we understood that this is something that must be defied. And as a result of this spirit and especially as Chaville receded, young boys and girls unable to fathom the seriousness of what had happened at Chaville. were not as traumatized as their parents, their fathers and mothers. So defiance uh, was, started it started to build up, the temple began to build up again. And uh, we took a number of uh, defiant things. And one of the things they decided to do is that in 1966, At the conference of NUSAS, Steve Beagle initiated this thing that the students, black students, must suspend their participation in the NUSAS conference. And they went to gather by themselves elsewhere and discuss of what use is to be in an organization that, you know, enunciate opposition to apartheid but when it comes to practice now and then suspend its opposition to apartheid <laughs> to follow those and rules say, yes we must go and sleep there and then they'll sleep there so sometimes uh, both black and white students resisted you know this but it couldn't be for very much otherwise because now even the, the conference but it was during that, uh, that year of 66 that the decision was taken that we don't reject non-racialism, but we cannot have a normal organization in an abnormal society. And so this idea came across to us at the high schools and so on. And the decision was taken in 66, continued to be debated in 67. And in 1968, we gathered at St. Francis College, Marion Hill, under the leadership of Steve Biko, Bani Pijana, and a number of others,
1: um,
0: to say we are forming our own organization. Not because we reject apartheid, but because it is the only sensible way in which we can sustain an organization that can run its business and that can effectively fight apartheid. So in December of 68... We became part of a small conference to found the South African Students' Organization, SASO. Now, who are the people that founded the South African Students' Organization, SASO? It is those of us who subscribed to non racialism. This is very important to appreciate. But as soon as we had founded it, the PAC, the Asusa people, who had all along not organized themselves, they came into Saso. They said, you know, we told you guys this thing you were doing was wrong, and now you are on the right path, and now we can work with you. <laughs> so they also came into Saso. That is 68, 69, 70... But SASO became a site of struggle
1: yeah.
0: because the Pan-Africanists wanted to use that platform to propagate the idea that South Africa belongs only to Africans and not to everybody. I should have mentioned to you, and maybe I should mention at this point that it's important to remember that when our people went to, to clap down for the Congress of the People, it was five Congresses. The ANC had always been non-racial. It was not a debatable issue. But... Around this time, when apartheid had, had, had now been introduced in '48, it became critical now to discuss this thing. Whether, you know, we are now excluded in the land of our birth. Now, what is this about? Now, the Indian Congress, the Colored People's Congress, <clears throat> the African National Congress, the Congress of Democrats, and the South African Congress of Trade Unions were debating this issue, including, of obviously, the, National, the, Communist, Party of South, the Communist Party of South Africa at the time. We're all, you know, debating this issue. And the. All of these five five congresses agreed that apartheid is not what they want. Now, you can imagine all of us, I mean, we had fresh ideas about how Sophia Town was put apart, how Marabastad in Pretoria was put apart and all of that. So now, uh, the issue was, well, we don't want this apartheid, of these guys. And these are men and women who've always lived together, always enjoyed the same social life and all of that. Then Z.K. Matthews then raised the question inside the ANC to say, like, look, if we say we don't want apartheid, what do we want in the place of apartheid? And he, he fueled that debate because he said, we cannot just agree that we don't want apartheid. We must also agree, and it is vital on what we want in the place of apartheid. Because if we don't agree on what the substitute for apartheid is going to be, then after we defeat apartheid, we're going to fight among ourselves. Very true. Because we have not agreed on the alternative. Prophetic. And that became important, and so important then, that it created, that question created the birth of the Congress of the People. And then, the various, the, the 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 other the organizations discussed it in their own, and then they went to the Congress of the People, and at the Congress of the People, each one of them had to come there, having conversed preliminarily ideas and so on. So when they were at the Congress of the People, it was agreed that we wanted South Africa that belongs to all who live in it, black and white. So that was the Clarion Call. But no one had come with a mandate that says we want South Africa that belongs to all who live in it, black and white. So please go back to your conference, Indian Congress, African National Congress, all the congress, each one of you, and go and say to your membership, this is what the proposal is. Because unless we do that, and the people discuss this and adopt it, we will be pursuing an issue that has no mandate from from the organisations. And, and
1: no solution. Yes, and indeed. No solution. So, so
0: all of these congresses adopted adopted this non,
1: non-racialism.
0: Yeah, the only one was the ANC that had a minority that said no. Africa for the Africans, right? And those are the guys who formed the PAC in '59.
1: Yes, indeed. So you've been a, a, a non-racialist your whole life, one suspects. I, I read about you before, um, before inviting you onto the show. So when you joined the ANC, I believe it was late '80s, early '90s. You joined them in in in, in Parliament, in power. Um, back then, I assume you said this was still a non-racial. Party, so you agreed in principle with with you know Mandela's ideas about what the new South Africa would be.
0: Do you think that? Do you think that they have lost that? Yeah, but no. Let, let me correct something. I didn't join the ANC when it was unbanned in the eighties. First of all, in the organization called the South African Student Organization, we had a big, big conflict whether what is the meaning of black consciousness was a debate inside the South African student organization it raged between the years 670 or well, 69 70 71 and in 1971 when we went to the second student general student when we second general student council Conference, we had to decide the policy on this question. Was South Africa, what was the meaning of black consciousness that white people have no place in South Africa or what? Now, that debate we resolved at the second General Student Council conference, University of Natal, at a congress in the middle of the year. And we took a decision. That document is still there in the in the records. The Saso policy manifesto was the document that had to resolve on this question. And it, at section at uh, section three of the of that thing, we said. Saso believes that South Africa is a country in which both black and white live and shall continue to live together. That section was divided into three, A, B, C, and D. It, so first of all, it said that. It then said, A, black consciousness must not be understood to mean anti-whitism. I can't quote it accurately, I can't remember all of the wording. At B, it spoke about black awareness. What is the meaning of black awareness? And at section C, it spoke about black solidarity. So all of that, but when you looked at that, when you looked at that policy manifesto, and you looked in particular at that section of the of that policy, we clearly said that we were clearly saying and repeating really what the Freedom Charter had said, and but we it, we had to say it in such a way that the government could not say, "This is a banned document called the Freedom Charter." So that's how it, it is. did. So I was. Already this debate is there. So inside Sasu, there were some of the people who walked away who said, No, we can't be part of this thing because it's selling out, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But there was the main the main body of the students of Sasu was for this. Even though black consciousness was not exactly non-racialism. You couldn't say it's, it's, you call it black consciousness. Yeah. It can be non-racialism.
1: Right. Is that non-racialism consciousness?
0: Yeah, that's right. You can. So, but when I went to jail, when I got arrested and I went to Robben Island, uh, we got arrested in 74, but we ultimately got Robben Island December 76 because we stayed a long time in detention
1: this trial.
0: No, the Delmas trial is my second trial. That's the second trial, sorry. Yes, yeah. I'd already cut my teeth on Robin Island and come back. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah. So so we 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 when we got there, some of our members from Sasu had gone ahead of us. But the PAC people had taken advantage of the fact that we called ourselves Black Consciousness and worked very hard to persuade the other guys who were there that, no, they must now become PAC, that black consciousness was more, was closer to PAC uh, and, right. and, than, the, than the non-racial, I think, and so on. <clears throat> so the 13 of us were, were, were charged. Ultimately, the others were released. Nine were convicted. And we got to Roman Island, a divided lot. And when we got there, we didn't make it even easier. We intensified the debate now actually really went haywire about this. But I, I stood on the non-racial side of uh, of things. And uh, and that's when I – because the NC was already banned when we came into – and I joined the African National Congress on Robben Island.
1: On Robben Island, okay. Uh,
0: yeah. just,
2: to, just to stop there for a second, you say the debate went haywire. I imagine it did. It blew because, up. Well, because now you've got people who've been – Put in prison, um, probably for doing very little wrong. um, You know, being politically active, essentially. Um, And it's very hard to be non-racialistic when your oppressors are um, oppressing you using a racial system, and they, you know, it is literally white pegged against black. So, how did how did you not uh, become quite bitter? You know, um, we, we've got some examples in this country of people who didn't become bitter. Nelson Mandela is certainly probably the most uh, famous of that. But how did you not become bitter? How do you not get to Robin Island and go, you know what? This non-racialism idea is actually terrible. Um, I'm trying to be non-racialistic. Clearly they're not going to be non-racialistic and, and let's dump it. Let's move forward and, and yeah. let's defeat the enemy, so to speak.
0: Mm. You see, it's important. The point I was making to you that. You see, I I come from also a very deeply religious background. We are all made in the image of God. You must either accept that or not accept it. We are all made in the image of God. Some people are are black like me or even blacker than me, but they are thieves. Even though God said we must not steal, you know. (laughs) Some people are white, white. And also,
2: and also thieves,
0: some of them are thieves, <laughs> others are not thieves, sure so if you if you sit on the color thing you're gonna be lost, you know because here all of these colors you know this and you know that you know the good they say the good at it this way so I'd grown up. Experiencing the things that I was talking to you about. But I had also grown up in missions in which I was taught by very kind and very, very good human beings. Church leaders, you know, the priests and whatnot. I couldn't bring myself to think and to believe that these people are all evil. After all, even out of the story of the uh, of the Second World War, there are lots of stories you read about how some of the people rebelled against this. But for me, most important, when I went to St. Francis College, back to St. Francis College in January of sixty nine to go and finish my trick, one of my church leaders in... Uh, in Mer Hill, arrived in croat i didn 't have money to go back to school, and my father said, "If I can find a way to get there by hitchhiking or whatever else, he will be able to help me then, Now we were seven children at home, and I was the first of the Lord and I needed to finish my metric so that at least I could do some work and help him uh, with other things so when the, the, the when uh, the Reverend uh, Kesma Paulson came, he, he, he said he was going to come through to Johannesburg to f- do some business. And I said, well, can he give me a lift? Because I really need to go back to school. So to go and finish my matric. So he agreed to give me a lift. Who do you think he was visiting? He was visiting the late Dr. Bears Nodier, who was whom I had never heard about, who was running the Christian Institute in Bramfontein. So I came with him and a number of uh, uh, students from births who had been to the to the Nusa's conference in uh, in Cape Town. So when we got here, I suddenly found myself. Uh, we were we, we all sat there. We were talking to uh, well, the the, the the reverend was talking to them to 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 Beasnodi, and Beers-Nodier was talking about apartheid. What's wrong with it and all of that? How he himself, after twenty two years of membership to the World, he came to see that no man this policies of apartheid and all of that, it's evil things against God. He was an Enkhigirk, I think, minister, and when he refused to do that, he had been, you know, defrocked, kicked out, and became a reject among his own people. And really, I found myself sitting and being in deep sympathy with him. Here's this man walking out of an entire community. All the damn privileges of this, and saying this is not acceptable, and he's not going to accept it. And I feel like that that's my kind of man.
1: I think history seems to be repeating itself, Mr. Lakota. Do you feel? I'm not comparing you to Bayes nor Diaz by any means. Yeah. So, in in the vote against the expropriation of that compensation, you said. You know, this is all nonsense. This is this is who is our people? What is this nonsense? Yeah. So you also, I mean, uh, the vast majority of parliament voted for the motion, seventy four percent. Yeah, and you had the strongest line against it at the time. Yeah, a very powerful line to say. Mm. You know, who, who are you talking about? Who is this our people that you're talking about? Yes, yeah. Um. So, I mean, what are your considerations against? expropriate our compensation um, as pervaded by the ANC at the moment um, do you feel that the ANC is becoming racialistic as opposed to non-racialism when you were in it
0: in fact this is not the ANC as far as I'm concerned the, what we are dealing with at the moment is not the ANC hmm. because if you consider that after the Congress of the People majority, a biggest majority of the NC voted for the Congress for, for, for the Freedom Charter. South Africa belongs to all who live in it and all of that. I d- I thought I thought when I met Beas Nodier at the time, I thought really this is something. I went and finished my trick and all of the other things we did and I I was always very strong on this question that South Africa uh, is a country in which black will always, black and white will always live together, but it was when we were on trial because we got arrested because we were charged under terrorism. My first trial, I got arrested, charged under terrorism. Count one and terrorism count two. And we were charged, and whilst we were at the at the, at the A Pretoria prison, not this one, this one is now refurbished, the Mm. old Pretoria prison that was really, you know, the original. We were locked up there, and now and then, in the mornings, uh, there was, when we went into the toilet, there was somewhere we used to climb and look in the other side, and we would see some prisoners there. And then one day, I saw this white guy in prison garb in the morning. He was walking from the left to the right as I was looking like that, rather diminutive in, in, in structure, and walking very determinately to go and hang his uh, his uh, face towel and all of that. And then walking there, and, and then I realized, I saw him, and I wondered, but who's this guy? I had no clue whatsoever. Then uh, then I decided, no, I must see. So some days I would look, but I wouldn't see this guy. And then I realized that he was always passing there at exactly the same time, going and then coming and all. So I asked some of the prisoners, some of my co-accused, him, and, but who's this guy? And so on, because uh, now and then everybody got a chance to look and the other one. And then we do this. So one day, uh, this guy, one of the accused number four in our case, was older than us. He was almost a doctor. He is a doctor now. He, in fact, he was already a doctor. He was already practicing when we got arrested. He knew this guy. So he told us, no, that's Bram Fisher. So now we went, who's the Bram fisher? And he was telling us and all of that. and so. On. He, but he himself was now on trial for the second time because he had already previously had been arrested uh, for the past laws, for defying the past laws. And he had been sentenced to three years but did 18 years and was released. 18 months, rather, was released. So he knew a lot about this. And he hated communists and hated Bram with a passion in my accused, and I was surprised at this guy but then you see the more I learned about Bram the more I realized but you know I can see the Reverend bears no dear he's not in jail this guy is in jail for life so that we should have equal rights that really knocked me over I didn't want to go to jail, but it was preferable. If this guy could give up everything and be in prison for life so that we should enjoy equal rights, how can I not be prepared to go to jail so that I could also enjoy equal rights? But I didn't know much about him. But it inspired me that it doesn't matter if they find us guilty. I must be right if this man he feels this way. So we went. And on Robin Island, of course, I learned to know much more about him. It's always just made me so humble to think that Brahm did that. And, of course, I got to know about he was a queen's counselor. He was one of the top brains in the British Empire. But he would not sit back when we didn't have rights. So, and one day Mandela said to us, you know, we must never forget those people that stood with us in the darkest hours of our struggle. Now, we are the majority in this country, if you like, In terms of color, we are the majority. It's very easy to create an atmosphere in which a genocide of white people can happen. White people are 10% of the population, less than 10, actually.
2: Yeah, six about.
0: Yes. Now, we want to solve the problems that have been created in history. And I don't think, then there was Helen Sussman who came to Robben Island, times without number, to come and say to the authorities, you can't do this. Because look, these people are prisoners here. White people get get bread, they get milk, they get fruit and all of that. The diet of the African prisoners, just boiled mealies, no milk, no fruit. Some of these guys are getting TB and so on. And she was a lone member of parliament. This woman never got tired of coming again and again. And each time she came, there was a little improvement here and a little improvement there. A little improvement here and a little that. No, uh, I don't do what I do. I don't take positions that I take uh, based on colour. It cannot be right that we can, just because the numbers are there, we can take a position that we're going to do this thing. Because at CODESA we said that it is our collective responsibility to correct what has gone wrong. And what went wrong was not the total population of white South Africa that did that. There were a few men, in particular men, in the Afrikaner community. Fervood was not born here. He was born in the Netherlands and he came here. He had this attitude that we, you know, are less than other people and all of that. Many of the leaders, and most people don't realize, many of the leaders of the National Party of the time were youngsters that were at university in Germany during the Second World War, the early part, the middle, the early part of the 40s and so on. But it is The ideas that they imported and they used that essentially to capture the entire white population and set it up against the majority of us. That was a dark hour in the history of our country. And I think all of us have a duty now to correct that. To say, no, it's not going to be right. It can't be right. And we have to make it right. Mm. And so, and Looking at the history of the ANC, I look at people like J.B. Marks, I look at people like Ruth Mompati, Helen Joseph, Ruth First, all of these people. It didn't matter what color they They abandoned everything and tried to get this thing right. So I've been trying to learn from the examples of others, and I think that I have a duty. It's my responsibility as one of the citizens of our country to continue to say, As I said to you, in my youth, I knew people, I knew children, some of them even younger than me, who were ranged from their families and put up as if they are whites. And I know that many white people, today I know most South Africans, white South Africans, so-called white, are not white, they are colored. And so many of us who are supposed to be black, we are colored. And here's one with the colored sitting here.
1: For those who can't see us, that's uh, Mr. Locota's media liaison officer who has been very helpful in getting him into the studio. So, thank you, Um, Galicia.
2: I wanted to ask so, you know, you say you want to, you know, we've got to kind of make things right. and, and, And a lot of the argument about expropriation without compensation for those who are very pro that is that that's exactly what this policy will do, it will make things right. Um, so why do you disagree with that?
0: Because uh, our agreement uh, at CODESA was that we can correct what went wrong in history in this country, but we don't need more bloodshed. We already we were already in war. You must remember we are prisoners of war. Now we agree. Therefore, we agree that look, we need to have peace among the people. We need to have stability in the country. Absolutely, because. If we want to correct these things and we go on killing each other as we are, we're going to end up destroying the whole country. There'll be nothing left here and so on. If you look at the preamble of the Constitution, we say, we recognize the injustices of the past. We honor those who suffered for for justice and, and righteousness, whatever. We honor those who work to build and develop our country. This country is outstanding if you Go out of here to look at the others. What's the point of fighting and destroying everything that is there? The the I, you know, often said to Basutu. Motsi. Only those who humble themselves can build a home that will stand and endure. And therefore, we have built all of these things. We've worked, some of us, as engineers, others as laborers and what, but we build South Africa into what it is now, we can also destroy it so he used to say that if you are not prepared to to sue for peace and sacrifice and compromise for peace you will only end up with nothing no home and all of that, and then fourthly we said, we believe that South Africa uh, belongs to all of us united in our diversity. So that's in the preamble of the Constitution is the first part of it. The second part we then said, we adopt this Constitution as a formula, so to say, in order to heal the divisions of the past, in order to to lay the foundations for the society that is for everybody and in which uh, every citizen uh, will be protected by law and in which we will you know, essentially do all the good things that we want. You know, if you read the full, I think it will tell you that that is the resolution we took. And then we said, look, we can solve. There's no problem we can solve if we sustain peace. So the first thing we did, when we go to chapter one, section one of the Constitution, we say, let us agree first and foremost that up to now, the African section, biggest number, has been confined to 13% of the surface of South Africa. But can we agree that South Africa is now one sovereign democratic state? No Bandustans, no white and so on. We agreed on it and we said it will be one sovereign democratic, the republic state founded on the principles of human dignity and this, that, and this, and that. And then Section th- 3, which said Section 2, we said that this constitution that we are going to adopt must be the supreme law of our country, and that was agreed. Then we said, 3, from the point of view of citizenship, there should be a common South African citizenship, and all the citizens of this country must enjoy the same must be entitled to the same rights, privileges, and benefits of citizenship. Now, once we agree on this and a few other things, the national anthem and so on, it's six points we agree or agreed on. We then proceeded to section, to, to chapter two of the Constitution. It starts from seven and it goes up to 39. And section 25 of the Constitution. We define, we, we say what powers government must have to deal with these problems peacefully and systematic, systematically over time to solve all these things. And you look at the Constitution. The first thing we said is no one must be deprived of their property. Nobody. It doesn't mean we are not going to do something and temper with property. We are because the laws that have been done tempered with property relations. But if we want to correct that, we have to do it in an atmosphere in which there is no arbitrariness. We must work it in a manner in which we don't create new atrocities. So that's why we say, there may be expropriation of land, but it cannot be uh, arbitrary. It must be in terms of a general law, of the law of common application. So, if we, if the government wants to build a dam for the people of South Africa, it can expropriate land that is appropriate for building a dam, but the owners of that land must be compensated by the government. If it, and any other thing that is for a, for a public purpose, that is, a dam is a public a school. You know all of the things. like yeah, that. highway you
1: know, roads. That's the normal expropriation. Yeah, yeah,
0: but the second point we made is, it must be. Public for public interest, it must be in the public interest. You can expropriate now. What is this public interest? Insofar as there had been from 1913 legislation that. Dispossessed communities of properties And all of that and so on It is now in the public interest That we should also Correct that mm. But do it in a systematic In an appropriate way Yeah, And, and but,
1: I don't think many, sorry to interrupt you mm-hmm. I don't think many people disagree with that I think land reform or land restitution Is what you're describing I think is, is a, An obvious way to do that Um and, um, you know, if, if people have a claim to a piece of land and they can prove that they were dispossessed of it, it's, it's just that they should receive it back. I, I think, I don't know anyone who would necessarily disagree with that.
0: Mm. But you see, uh you said, you said, Ren's Romain. Romain. Romain, yeah. Romain, we spent uh, some many, many years in jail trying to think What are you going to do, you know? There are many things that happened which are different. Sure. The land, for instance, that was taken under the 1913 Land Act, we deal with that under Section 7. No, Section 25, Subsection 7. It's a particular issue. Sure. So we deal with that. But Section 25 is from 1 up to 9 or 8. So we we deal with specific issues, and this is very important so that we don't make mistakes which will reverse that. So if I say public purpose, and all of us, we agree, all of us know it's always done. When I say public interest, you know, but what is that now, you know, we have to be able to say public interest is that 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 that, mm. and this is going to be. The people who are overcrowded in the Bandu stands are going to come out. Now, because we said, now they can live anywhere they can. Now some of them will come. Back, Look, man, I used to live here, or I like to sit to stay here. And I just want to move in. We have to. No, we've got to find a way. How are we going to do it in the right way? Mm so so i wanted to say this that there are situations that were created and then we identify them if you want to have land so that you can have a house but when you come to pretoria they say the the doesn't all the housing has been taken, land for housing has been taken. So we have to do something about that. You cannot now exclude me from Johannesburg because you kept me for a while in the Bantu stands. And now when I want to come in, you say, no, no, you must go back to your children in the Bantu stands. You can stay in a hostel for a while. And how do we correct that? Mm. So we deal with that. The Constitution deals with that. It then says, The reason we give government the right to expropriate land is so that where land has already been taken, government must be able to expropriate that with compensation and then zone it for this and it can provide for this. So I'm not going to be excluded from Cape Town, from living there because I I was not there for so many years, etc., We will deal, we will deal. Now, we deal with that also. It's in Section 20. Housing is dealt with under Section 26. And it also makes it an obligation on the part of the government to ensure that they must obtain land. They must buy, compensate for that. Not individuals. Zone it for housing and then allow people to give them title so that they can also live here. Sure. But there are people who want to farm. And they no longer even, uh, they want to farm. There's no land enough for them in the Bantu stands. They want to come out of there. So what are we going to do? We can't let them just run onto his farm or your farm or uh, anybody's farm. We can't do that. So now we have to say, how are we going to deal with this thing? And the Constitution deals with that issue again. First of all, most of the land that was taken, in fact, all of the land that was taken, was registered at the deeds office. Most people, why you hear Malema say they are going to take land by force, you see? And their land was taken and so. It's talking nonsense. What land of his was taken? If it was, can he show us his land? Because it's all registered in the deeds office. We'll go and take the deeds. We'll look there. Here's this land. This land was never given to anybody because there's no land that was given to white people as freebies. The land government took and registered in the deeds office. And then it invited white South Africans that where you you have money and you want to buy land, you can buy this piece of land. And then they sell that piece of land. It's registered also in there. So we can still go in there and say, uh, Roman bought this land from the government of apartheid. And he passed it on to his children and that one. And this other child sold it to Mr. Fani but that history of that land is recorded at the Deeds Office. Yeah. So we as government now go to Mr. Faniguer, ultimately, and say, Mr. Faniguer, we know you bought this land from the Romance. It was not a mistake. Sir, The government of apartheid sold this land, unfortunately, wrongly. Hmm. This land belongs to the great-grandchildren of uh, the Taus. Now, here are the grandchildren. They've come with the original title deed that this thing was however so now we want to take this land and give it back to them however because we know you bought it when it was first registered its value was so much the romances bought it they invested and it escalated in value when you bought it, it was so much and now at this stage you have also it's so much so as government we are satisfied the records are accurate here's your money sir but we must give it back to the great grandchildren great of this. And we do that. Now, we have corrected a wrong that was done without creating a new one. Right. We do this.
2: So, where has... You, you were in the ANC for a, a good period of time. You were a minister in the cabinet um, and not a lightweight minister either. You were the minister of defense. Yes. Um, uh, for almost 10 years, 9 years I think it was. And... Um, assumptively you believed in everything that the ANC was doing at that time um, and the direction they were taking. Where have they gone wrong?
0: No, I wouldn't say that everything the ANC did was perfect.
2: Oh, no, no, not yeah, perfect. But yeah, but yeah. in general, you know, you, you sense that they, they're, they're moving in the right direction. And at some, at some stage it seems that they've – because you, you said earlier that yeah, that's, right. that's not the ANC now. Yeah, I mean, no, no, you no, almost don't recognize no. it as they can. You know the branding's there, but mm. the, it's like an empty shell. That's right. Um, and so, what happened? What what's gone wrong?
0: It, it, it went wrong slowly, step by step. When I was in the ANC, for instance, they, they was introduced this thing that's called black economic empowerment. Sure. Which is rubbish.
2: <laughs> We're in agreement.
0: It is unconstitutional
2: It's the wrong way to solve the problem It's that it's trying to solve
0: Yeah, it's unconstitutional, Mm -hmm. sir Because it, First of all The first time I I heard about it In fact, all of us heard about it Never when we were in the years that we were in jail Or in the camps, people training and all of that The first time we heard about it was when we were in the course of business, the negotiating settlement, there was talk suddenly of black economic empowerment. Where would it have been in the lexicon of the ANC of non-racialism? It never was there, and we just can't couldn't really quite figure out. But where is this thing and so on? I discovered much later on that no, uh, this was injected by some other elements with different interest, It never was in the policies of the ANC. But it got to be popularized, and so we went there. But that was wrong. And I say that it is unconstitutional because... It does not treat every South African the same. True it undermines the element of equality. And if you want to see how wrong it is, compare apples with apples. If you go into Soweto, you can take Sarah Ramaphosa because he's a university graduate. And you can make him a BEE beneficiary by putting him on the board of this or the board of that and so on. What about Mr. Nehola who is not a graduate, who is his neighbor in Chiawello? We can see how the Ramaphosa family will benefit. If black economic empowerment was constitutional, it would also benefit the family that is whose father is just a laborer, but who cannot benefit anything from it. And that's why the gap between uh, the rich and poor, it co-opted a, a number of blacks into the ranks of the rich. Small group. And left the huge majority in deep Sloot, yeah in olive and hot bars. No, I'm sorry. It's wrong. But... If you said, let's give free education to all the children of our country, number one, the children, when they finish at university or technical college or whatever, whether they came from a shack or came from a, a home of graduates, would have their education, the qualifications, to haul themselves out of the poverty and backwardness in which they were born into. And you would be turning the whole population into uh, agents of transformation. They would build for themselves proper homes with their incomes. They would take their mothers and fathers, aging mothers and fathers, out of the shacks and bring them into proper homes without your favors, they would make sure that their own children get education and training and never again return to the, return to the shirks. That, sir, is where the secret lies in what we should have done. I saw that. I tried to talk about it. But many of those with whom I had shared prison cells and had expressed the hopes of transforming our society were too much in a hurry to be rich themselves and quite content to say, leave the ones in the shacks to stay there. Leave them there. It's our time. So, why? Everybody know the gap between the rich and the poor is increasing. Sure, why? Because here we are busy with the formula to expand that, to increase it. Mm. And that was the first thing I realized. We're going the wrong way. Then <clears throat> came the, well, Black Economic Empowerment. And then there was talk of affirmative action. I said to my children, you must never come to me for this nonsense. And when I didn't have education, when I couldn't go to the University of the Free State, I fought the apartheid government. I ensured that you will be able to go to Gray College and you finish now at Gray College. I don't go into Gray College to fight your your battles on the ground there. You must deal with them yourself. Now you go to university. I could never go to University of the Free State. Now you go in there, you qualify, and go and look for a job. Please don't come to me and say, uh, can I get a job in your department? I'm, I'm not interested. I'm going there, I'm going to invite the ones who want to work and they must be appointed on the basis of merit that they are the best available and we put them in this. Go back and do your own work but never ask me for this. At great College, you studied with the other boys and so on. If they got better results, it's because they worked out, you didn't. And you you will... Earn what you deserve. Now, this affirmative action thing, which has now driven considerable numbers of young white South Africans to go and look for for jobs elsewhere in the world, what about their rights enshrined in the Constitution here because of this thing? I was still in the NC when those things were happening. And I really realized that this is where we are going. And this route was never going to be the answer to the problems of our time. So, and then we, we proceeded, and uh, I called his Hashullah in public funds when I was Premier of the Free State, and he was defended by Zuma, by the way, Zuma was sent there to the free state to come and tell me, no, I shouldn't be doing that. We need peace in the organization and unity. I said, no, it can't be a unity of thieves. And either it's a unity of, it must be the unity of all of us who want uh, to respect the uh, the taxpayers' money. But if it is going to be that some are entitled to steal money and others not, then it can't be they removed me to 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 go and be there from the premiership. They took me to to parliament and to become the the president of the senate. I took over from uh, Ko mm. three days later, President Mandela called me and he said, "You know, if I knew what was happening in the free State, I would never have allowed for this to happen, but there was now three days. Sworn in, I was there. But you see, because of doing those kind of things, I just realized that, you no, know, it's a slippery slope. We're going that way. Until recently, Ace who was continuing to steal public funds, now under the presidency of, of uh, this guy, of George Jacobson. So I noticed some of those things. But at some point, frankly, I just felt no. To stay here is to run the risk of ending up in the same mess. Yeah. Because dialectics teaches that everything is, is in motion all the time. If you compromise with something wrong, you can't only, in other words, you can be a little corrupt. <laughs> you can either be corrupt or not corrupt. If you allow yourself, no, no, I'm just going to take this little bit. Tomorrow you're going to say, oh, but I didn't take enough. Let me take just a little bit more.
1: And especially if you get away with it the first time, uh, it just increases. So, so for you, was it just an inevitable slide? Towards what we have today, now, did you foresee it ten years
0: ago when you left? I, I, I must be honest. I didn't. For, I didn't think it would go as. I mean, I'm. My mind is boggled when I see just how far this thing went But I thought that the consciences that I used to believe my comrades had, I thought many of them would also. Stand up and say, no, but it can only go so far, but no further.
1: Do you think um, we are running a little bit out of time, I'm afraid. But but do you think there will be, um, it can be saved
0: at all? The ANC was formed as a liberation movement. And liberation movements, strictly speaking, are not formed to govern. And Mm -hmm. they don't recruit skills. They don't prepare people for that and so on. No, no, sir. Like all liberation movements, like the Convention People's Party that liberated Ghana, hmm. the NC is gone, please. There's no point about being sentimental about it. We also have to learn something about life. You know, there are certain things that we know when their time has come, it has come. Let's move on please. Mm. The NC is done. You you can look at ministries. You can look at the bureaucracy that is there. Everybody that is in government, literally everybody is benefiting one way or the other from the corruption. Now the African National Congress. Why they are they shooting and killing each other like this? Yesterday I was in KZN. Day before yesterday I was in KZN. Invited by one of the pe- people that is in jail. Who says, "This even this Marano Commission just skimmed over things. I am sitting here, that, Mr. Lakota, please come and see me. I'm sitting here. I have been part of the killing of so many people. Not one of them. Has, has has been uncovered by the Moirani Commission. And the thing is, I'm sitting here because they've locked me up, these guys here. They want to kill me because they don't want me to, to go and talk about this. I didn't kill the people, but I was there when they were being killed. I was part of the squad that was doing it. Please, sir, you better come, because they said in the next few days, if I don't agree to plead guilty to... A concocted perjury they're gonna knock me off, and I went there and I found this, and this guy gave me unbelievable amount of evidence shocking
1: yeah you know, that you, you won't be able to share it with us i assume
0: no no not right away but <laughs> okay. no it's not it's not anything secret right so yeah. because this guy is now i've i've i had to say the guys who are the police who arrested him, put him into the into the prison, brought him to a court and put him in the prison, are the ones who want to kill him. Because clearly because they have a direct interest mm. in that his evidence must not come out. So I've had to say, intervene and say, this guy must never again be handed over to the police even when he's going to court, because he said that this last time, Mr. Lecourt, they put a gun in my mouth, and they said, if I don't plead guilty in this, I Friday will not come. So I've had to say that yesterday afternoon, the court ruled that he must never be handed over to the police, and only the the prison fellows take him, to court and back, it's not. A, it's not something. It's not something that uh, that is.
2: Yeah, the, the killings are, are yeah. known.
0: Yeah,
2: that are going. He's, on he's
0: now probably. told. He's told us. He's told us. Uh, on this day, this one. On this day, that one. On this way, this one. On this day, and this. On this one, so and so shot him. This one was shot by the other one. This one was shot by this. This one was. It's unreal. It's unreal when you listen to it. So and when you were saying the ministers, he, 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 current ministers, that you were some of whom he met, and you told them about this. Um,
2: All right, I we're gonna. I don't want to run too much out of time. We're gonna do a short question segment for our, our, our patrons. But um, a last, a last um, question, just uh, uh, for this segment of the show, um, is you know next year is an election. We don't know yet uh, when that will be, yes. um, but it's an interesting political landscape. We've got obviously the ANC, which has been a dominant party since 1994. Um, the DA, which did experience a fair amount of growth through the 2000s, um, who we've been quite critical of on the show in terms of their direction, their messaging, where do they stand on things. Um, previous shows, we've actually complimented your party stand specifically on EWC, because you've taken a stand and you've said, this is who we are, and if you don't like it, then you don't like it. But we're not trying to get your vote if you don't like this position. We quite appreciate that. Um, but you are one of the smaller parties, but you, I'm sure you would like to see growth in the election, and, and maybe just give us, this is your pitch, give us uh, why people, when they go to that ballot box, they should be putting an X next to, next to COPE.
0: So, I think that they they should, I think that people must think again, first of all, because I think that we are the only political party that genuinely is committed to uniting South Africans around the ideal of a South Africa which belongs to all who live in it. Secondly, we formed the party on the singular ticket in defense of the Constitution. We are totally committed to the Constitution, and we seek to interpret everything in keeping with the Constitution. And we would like to be held accountable to the letter and spirit of the Constitution. Consequently, number three, as soon as, even if we are part of a coalition government, we want political power returned to the hands of the people of South Africa at the present time political power is in the hands of the political parties or political party the people vote for political parties yeah political parties appoint Hmm. who's going to represent you as a citizen you don't know who's representing you even I myself I can't say who, I, who who represents me in that parliament. Yes, which means political power is not in the hands of the people. It means the people are without are helpless. Sometimes people ask me why is it people are burning, you know, townships. Previously we could understand it because you guys had no representation in parliament. But actually, what they don't realize is that even now
2: there's still no representation.
0: In fact, it's worse now because black and white. Has nobody they can hold accountable? Nobody, and that didn't happen because we wanted it like that. It happened because we, when we finished negotiation at CODESA, we decided that we can't, we couldn't go to the elections uh, on a constituency basis because many of us had been in exile for so many years; they were not known by the people here. Very many have spent years and years in the prisons of the country. And, and therefore, they had no track record that the people would recognize. And uh, others had been banned for many years. So we said, look, only for this election, let every party put its emblem. Because it knows its members, we level the playing field. It can appoint its people. But we must immediately move to a representative uh, electoral system. We we took the act and said FWD must go to the apartheid parliament and get it passed so that we can it can be legal and within the law that we are we are voting like that. Now, which he did. We are still voting under a, a, an electoral system passed by the apartheid government. Yep. we should have now. Ngosip telezi and. Uh, Slabbert, uh, Fonsei Slabbert, worked feverishly to try and put together that thing. They didn't finish the work by the ten, end of the first term. And that's why we went to the next one to say, no, at least once it's finished, we are going to pass it under Tabo presidency. But by then, the corrupt elements inside the NC, which is the majority, now decided, look, we don't want to change it, we want to keep this. Because now they realized they would have to stand before the people. Yes. And would say, but what did you do in Shabir Sheikh matter? What did you do in this? Who did? So now, and now you can't get the ANC leaders to vote for a new thing. So we need a majority that must change this We are determined and committed to return political power to the hands of the people so that we can be held accountable by the citizens. Mm. If they vote for us, if we fail them, they must say, Lakota, come here. You stole money. Here's the report. And so and so reports this and the other and so on. What were you doing with VBS? Please, uh, thank you. Out and get somebody else. Mm. But uh, the people they can't, can't do be it.
2: put somewhere else. Just move to Yeah, just can't move them yeah.
0: to this place. We won't do that. And then. Link to all of that. I've already spoke to the question of education. For us, the leading item of budget must be education. We will not equalize South African society if we don't educate all the children of our country and enable every human being in this society mm. to be able to earn their income. And in this way, come out of the backwardness of Lack of education, poverty Which means we must get quality teachers and all of that Yes,
2: so are you willing on education just quickly Are you willing to take innovative steps For example, perhaps public-private partnerships Perhaps taking on uh, the South African Teachers Union In
0: the light In the the light of What this country has already suffered The damage it has suffered Mm. I mean, when we were in government, we brought the national debt to about 28 billion rand. And we were quite convinced that we were about to to be getting national budget every year mm. owing nobody and therefore free to do whatever we want to do with it. Absolutely. But now we will have to resort to means such as what you are suggesting, partnerships here, and do that. But we don't want to be Public servants must be public servants, and they can't be friends of a party or comrades of a ruling party because then when they don't like something, they blackmail the elected uh, people and so on. They must be their public servants. They are paid with the money of the public uh, uh, members of the public. They must serve the citizens of the country. Equally, not mm-hmm. about saving their comrades and, and not saving that and so on. Those kind of things would need to, to really get rid of.
2: Excellent. I think uh, we're going to call it there. If you are a, p- a patron um, on Patreon, uh, we are going to ask some questions. So you will get an extra short segment with Mr. Lakota. We don't have too much time. Um, thank you so much, as always, for listening. Uh, you can obviously follow COPE on all of their social media platforms. I'm getting a nod uh, in the corner here. Um, as always, the Renegade Report and at Renegade underscore report. Ramon and I are also on there. Find us on Facebook, and if you like the show and enjoy what we do or you want to hear the extra bits we do with guests, please do support us on Patreon. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Bye.